You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Welcome to this week's edition of the Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick and today we're going to be thinking about coaching and long COVID and chronic fatigue which has been on my mind for a long time and I've had a few people interested in having the conversation and not quite got round to it but here we are and today I'm in the great company of Zane McCormack, Claire Davis and Kat Gray. Welcome Zane, Kat and Claire. Let's find out a little bit about your journey and what made you interested in coming to the coaching in today. Kat, you start. Yeah, so I might have a different slant on it to everyone else, but I got ME, so a type of chronic fatigue, when I was 10. And it was no one believed that kids got chronic fatigue at that time. So I lived with kind of no medical support for that condition and was just very intrigued to then watch all the long COVID stuff kind of play out 30 years on and was like, how have we not sorted this out or done more research on this or have any more information (laughs) um yeah so that's me and your coaching journey Kat um so I found out about coaching through someone who I now believe works for 3D coaching read a blog about what they did and how amazing coaching was and decided that was for me so trained in 2016 and haven't looked back since. Fantastic. There's a shout out for you, Zoe Dickinson. So, Claire, what about you? Uh, so, yes, I'm a, a GP in East London. I'm also a coach. I coach doctors. My interest in coming on this podcast is there are obviously a lot of healthcare professionals around with long COVID. I've also had an autoimmune illness with um, a lot of fatigue associated. So I really get and empathise with people that are struggling with the things like fatigue and brain fog. Um, I was, um, I had some coaching in that time and it was really, really helpful. Um, In my medical practice, I've seen a lot of people with fatigue related conditions, particularly with stuff they caught overseas. Um, So, so yeah, it's just been a general journey throughout my career that's brought me here today. Great. Well, welcome and welcome, Zane. Hi. Hello and thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm Zane McCormack. I'm founder of Assured Man. So I coach and deliver training into businesses um, around burnout prevention, burnout recovery, um, and resilience. And my journey restarted about four years ago um, when also I've, been at, I've been coaching now for um, just about, about eight months now. Um, this time last year, I was policing. I was with Devon and Cornwall for 16 years. Um, I had my own little episode of burnout probably about four years ago when I collapsed. So I went piling straight through stage five burnout, straight into crash. Um, and it was sort of on my um, my recovery from that. Um, at the time, a lot of, you know, a lot of things were sort of bandied around, sort of PTSD, CPTSD, and, and all the rest of this with general sort of stuff that goes on with policing. Um, but it wasn't until burnout was mentioned that everything made sense. Um, and what I did find is that there was just no real understanding of the, of the difference um, of, of, of what, what it was and just how, and then and as I sort of went through my recovery and discovered sort of under, you know, a little bit about coaching, just understood just how effective coaching would have been if I had access to it sort of four or five years prior to my um, to my episode. 
And from there, my interest in coaching was sort of peaked, really. And, um, and so I another three years policing after my, my my collapse and left last year to go full-time doing this. So right. that's where I am. Yeah. Well, welcome, all of you. I love how everyone's got a slightly different story and yet there are connections between us all. So I guess my question is, in, in terms of the work that you are delivering, what are you noticing, what are we noticing about the impact of long COVID on the kinds of people that we're working with? I, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, like I say, for me, uh, what I'm finding is that a lot of the, with, with the burnout issues are around you know people's personal resilience levels, and I think with long COVID, it's just been the final straw for people. You know, they, they were you know, they were just they were just keeping everything sort of you know above board, and long COVID's been been the final straw, and it seems to be something that's took a lot of people over now. So just and um and with you know the longer we get you know the further we have got this COVID situation behind us, and the more people are realising it's um. It's just something they're not they're not getting over. Yeah, yeah, the not getting over it thing. What are others noticing? I think I've had quite a few people come for coaching because they've watched people they love have something long term happening, and it's making them adjust their views on how they're living their own life. Ah, wow. So it's not only how do I support this person, but am I doing everything that I want to be doing while I can? Mm. Yeah, interesting. Claire? So I think um, health professionals with long COVID are used to being very busy, very active people who use their minds a lot and having a condition with such fatigue associated and with things like brain fog is immensely frustrating. It's one of those invisible conditions that has some stigma attached to it. Uh, so that can be a real struggle. I think doctors um, find it very hard to be patient sometimes and are not being part of the collective effort. It can affect people's livelihoods. From the medical perspective, the evidence base around it isn't actually very good. So a lot of studies have been produced, but a lot of them are not very high quality. And there's a lot of discussion going on. Is you know, is this the same as ME, or is it uh, is it something different? Some people have have definitely gone down a, a much more sort of medical investigation route of it. And there are a lot of unknowns, and I think people find that really really hard to sit with, particularly when you're used to being academic and getting things right having something with a lot of unknowns around it is really hard to sit with mm. Mm. yeah interesting so I'm really interested about this connection between the police and the medical profession and the whole thing about about people just pushing themselves one step too far and and you know and I think that that point there is not even about people pushing themselves one step too far. They've just got no idea what's going on. They, yeah. They're just they're just turning up every day, and I was exactly the same. And the point I make with some of the things I, stuff I do is that 30 minutes before I collapsed, someone asked me, "Are you okay?" And I said yes, and I genuinely believed I was. Every, you know, and I had just you know because it's with, with you know particularly with burnout, it's such a slow boil. It's you know it's the, it's the boiling frog analogy. You're just so used to that normal for so long that you don't really see any any, any difference. Mm-hmm. And it's only looking back, you know, once you sort of come back out of it that you realise that you've been a walking cliche for years. Yeah. So what difference does coaching make? 
in this particular context for people who've con- got yeah in this context um it's just about sort of raising awareness and understanding when things are happening to you why they're happening to you and that you know because at the time every, you know you, you get all these little little signs and symptoms but you're, you you write them off you know the brain fog just the fact that you're working shifts and you're exhausted and you know you talk about you know poor gut health again you're working shifts you're drinking a lot of coffee um, getting irritable, you get to an age where you're working with difficult people, you know, both inside and outside the office. Um, and, you know, and so you, you, you just rationalize all these little, little signs and symptoms, but actually one or two in isolation are fine. But if you sit down and, and can sort of make the link between sort of, you know, the five or six quite major symptoms with burnout, all of a sudden it all makes sense. And then, then you can start looking at some, you know, some meaningful interventions in place. And that's where coaching comes in. It is, and it is about sort of developing that sort of that, 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 that emotional or mental skill set. Um, to, to be able to sort of to take that step back, and then you know, and, you know, then you work working with your whole idea around sort of effective self care and making sure that you know you're making best use of your rest to make sure that your resilience levels are maintaining and being, being topped up. Claire and Kat, you've had chronic fatigue, and you're coaching people. So for you, what's useful about having a coach? So. I think from my perspective, um, when I was very affected with fatigue, uh, one thing a coach did was just get me to move away from that. You can get very, very focused on this is what is happening to me physically and trying to find an explanation and getting into this classic boom and bust cycle. So using all your energy or thinking I can go for a run today and then 48 hours later you're, you're flat and I got certainly really, uh, you know, hooked into this and you can't be happy and or enjoy life or have a purpose uh, while you're feeling like this. And coaching really helped me get out of that mindset. I had um, a very interesting coach, um, very different style to what you teach, Claire. She said I had to go away and write down 200 reasons why I was grateful for this illness and I was like, no way. But you know what I did? 200 things that it had taught me. And I think it really set me on that journey of oh, a kind of post-traumatic growth um, theme. I, I, You know, I look back at that episode now for myself and I, I wouldn't change having gone through that, partly because coaching really started to change the way I thought about myself and the situation. I love that 200 things, though, because I think I think we had a podcast the other day where we were talking about large numbers of getting people to think about large numbers of things. Because mm. when you invite somebody to go over what's a realistic number, you actually have to get really underneath it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. So I, I looked at it and thought that absolutely no way. And I thought this is ridiculous. And but you know what? I got there over a couple of weeks. I've st- I've still got the list. I found it the other day, and I was like, "Yeah, I agree with all of it." Oh wow! So, what was the most surprising reason? Oh, good question. Um, I am not sure, Claire. I'm not sure. I have an answer. To- I'd have to think and come back to you. Okay. Okay, it might come back to you later in the conversation. You Ask never know. Later. Ask me later. I will. <laughs> Cat. I think for ages, from the bit from being on the coach side of things rather than the long term illness side of things, I was like, how can this best help people when coaching predominantly is a future focused thing? And the worst part of of many worst parts (laughs) of being ill with something unknown and 
ongoing is you don't know how long it's going on for and what the answers are and when the good days are coming and when the bad days are coming. Um, And I think I went around in circles with that for a while. But actually to have somewhere where you can talk to someone about all the stuff that's just all consuming anyway, but also not quite know what's going to come next is is a really interesting space to have because I was thinking even as we came into this call and you know the first question that everyone asks is how are you that's actually quite a triggering question (laughs) along with what do you do I'm like well I don't know how I am and I do nothing so I like all social situations and even family trying to find out how you are there isn't an answer Mm. so to have a coach who's asking you questions just completely outside of that norm um it's just really helpful yeah I have my answer Claire oh great um that it was still possible to live purposefully with those symptoms oh wow and commit small acts of purpose every day it was you know it was still possible to be um a full person and with a full life and that's something about agency isn't it yeah so there's there's some there's some really strong themes here that actually are are so fundamental to coaching so one is how do we work with people so that they can engage in their own agency but another one is the whole thing about coaching and as a coach how do we deal with not knowing and how do we deal with not knowing when the person who's come for coaching is also in a is totally immersed in not knowing now that's actually true in every conversation we have but in long COVID and other chronic fatigues, it's more obvious, isn't it, than not knowing. So how do we work with people ethically? Florence is deafening, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> can, can you say a bit more about the question? So but if I think out loud... You know, one of the one of the things about somebody who's got some kind of chronic fatigue, whether that's long COVID or something else, is that there's an up and down thing. So they may arrive in the conversation with us anywhere in that feeling, or indeed they might not arrive today because today's not a good enough day for that to be possible. So... It's likely that with other people, we set standards around how we work with them. That, you know, you show up and da-da-da-da-da. But actually what, what, what you've got in this population is a different ability to engage in the process. So that's what I mean by the question. Well, I think I would contract that at the beginning and I would be flexible in how I work as yeah. far as I as far as I can be. So maybe are we are we going to do twenty minute sessions? What what can I offer if you are unable to engage in the session? Um, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said about planning for that and contracting. Are they going to do it in bed? Are we going to do twenty minutes? Um, I think that's I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's addressed in the the qualifying process too. When you know those initial sort of um, you know discovery calls and when you're initially speaking to people that have made inquiries about working with you, 
that's about making sure that you know they're, they're ready for coaching as well, and um, they understand that it's not you know not, they're not going to be set there, and you know that's what they want, and they're looking for a mentor, not a coach. Being, and being yes. quite clear about being quite clear about what you're offering and what what you're doing. Mm. It's not that dissimilar from other contracting, though, is it? Because I think I would be thinking, well, what's most useful for you? Yeah. And actually, is it screens off? Is it a phone call and not a computer screen? Is it a let? Yeah, let's just check in about that every time and see what happens. And also, not dissimilar from working with people who are having a mental health um, journey as well. Of we might start off by contracting the same time and rhythm and routine is helpful, but of course, that's not going to be true every day that you come to something that's technically scheduled yeah yeah so a level of flexibility Mm. what else are you learning from your experience of working with people in these communities i think that everyone is feeling their way at the moment this is you know i think what covid did we just threw everything up in the air and all the all the norms that people had been used to working with have been sort of washed away and, and not just the um you know obviously that the podcast today is talking about um the, the physical issues with um long covid but also you know the um the the, the knock-on effects that covid's had on sort of on, on families on workplaces on you know, people's had a lot of time all of a sudden to sit in their front rooms for three four months watching netflix and sort of um having a, a proper thing about where, where they're going what they're doing so people emerged different people with different different ideas different values um and, and different motivations for what they want to be doing so i think on on the whole it's been it's been a, it's been a big deal and i think we can, i don't think we can um, underestimate just how impactful it's been and, and, and we're still getting those those ripples are still coming through people are still fought you know, that, you know after, after lockdown finished people went back to how they were but they weren't the same and it's taken you know another year or two for those sorts of um those sorts of things to come through with people and what you've described there zane is quite a high level of engagement you know, I want to have a different kind of life. I wonder whether there's also a, a other responses, which is I've become a bit more of a passive receiver because actually what I learned in lockdown was to just let things happen to me, which goes back to what you said, Claire, about agency earlier. Well, I think some of that with you know, what was happening in lockdown might be different to health professionals because we were the, the other extreme of, of, course. Being, of being active. Um, I think there can be um, a really big thing around identity for doctors who become long-term patients with symptoms that have some stigma attached to them. There can be a lot of guilt and shame around that for some people. And real frustration of not contributing to your to your medical community I, I some people you know can get very into medicine is it's such a huge part of their identity and that's where sort of doing more values-based work uh and personal strengths rather than achievements can be can be really helpful for people um I find that doctors are um, quite in their heads and not very much in body. If there are any doctors listening, they probably won't know what I mean at all. Um, but I <laughs> know you will, Claire. Um, so getting people into body, even even if that's where the 
the physical symptoms are sort of getting more in tune with it with um emotions and what's going on physically i think is really helpful yeah yeah what else are we noticing is useful not sure if it's useful but i think along the same lines it's very it's much easier to go straight to a identity and purpose place with someone who's already got those questions of who on earth am I if I can't do things whereas I find it very interesting in the rest of my working space of I'm selling a product or an outcome it really and I know that if I'm seeing someone ongoing by about session two we're clearly going to be onto a question of who am I and what on earth am I doing but they might not have realize that themselves until that point (laughs) so you just you get there a lot more directly I think when someone's already had that kind of lifestyle shock yeah there's a quote in a a book by Richard Raw about falling his book's called falling upwards and he talks about our capacity to, to 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 change after basically after we've fallen over and that once people have fallen over we we engage he calls it the second simplicity we engage in stuff in a very different way Mm. um where we might have engaged in it with our head before we now will engage with it much more with our soul i'd like to say something about that from a personal point of view because that's exactly what happened to me um in recovering um for or getting autoimmune illness into remission uh, i really think that um managing my thinking really helped the recovery but i also noticed that i became as a doctor a lot more comfortable to sit with the big stuff like when someone came in with a bereavement my younger self would have gone oh what what what, I don't have the words what shall I say you know now it's like that's okay I'm just gonna sit with this and I, I definitely think that um that is one reason why I'm you know grateful for what happened because it, it took me to that place ah so you're not knowing from experiencing this has given you much a much higher tolerance for not knowing in the room. Yeah, um, definitely. I I actually really into not knowing and letting doctors know that it's okay to say I don't know. I actually love saying I don't know. <laughs> That's a me thing, but I think it. Yeah. I think it can be really powerful. Yeah. And, and it's understanding, like you say, with you know, with, with leasing, you know, we spoke to a lot of people with you know, a lot of personal crisis and bereavement as well. It's just been able to sit there and just provide that space for them. You know, you don't have to provide solutions or answers. It's just providing that that that, that space for people that are with you to be able to just, just express what's going on, and you know, they're not, they're not looking to you for you know for answers and being able to understand that. Be a um, yeah. having you know, you know, like I say, having experience it yourself, being comfortable in that, you know, holding that space for people can be can be, can be a real thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. So some people are listening because they are still experiencing long COVID. And I'm just really curious what you would like to say to them. Well, I I think all three of us looking at, well, we've all got probably a hundred things spinning around at the moment, but it's just trying to find something 
just something to say that's going to, just going to ground them, try and sort of pull all the um all the feelings that are sort of spinning around. And, you know, because obviously with with the, with the change it brings on with people, it's just about sort of pulling all those all those thoughts down and, and grounding them first, and then taking it from a from a position of sort of um calm and, and, and strength really, and sort of working out what the what the new what the new reality looks like and how and how 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 we cope with that and how we how we move forward with that. You know, letting go of what 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 it was, um, and understanding that it's, you know this, this is not better, it's not worse. This is, this is just different, and, and uh, taking it from there. I think I would say um, that it's really important to have um, compassion for yourself, uh, which is a new thing and a difficult thing for some people. So often the question is, how do we? be kind to ourselves in this moment what do we need in this moment some people find that really really difficult to start with but it can be built up with practice asking what we need and I think it's still possible to live um you know life of passion and purpose with the you know with with the right help and and the right tools and you know speaking as someone who was really struggled with a fatigue related condition for about um five years i would say be hopeful thank you claire yeah. i think almost permission that it's all right to feel so exasperated with everyone else and tired of explaining that there is no explanation <laughs> but also that there's more people out there who understand than you think so to look at go and find those people mm. um whilst doing what Claire said about keeping the boundaries and really letting people know what you need and that actually that's going to change hour to hour and you don't have to apologise for that. I also love the thing that you all three of you said at the beginning of that, which was that you actually sat in silence, which I'd like our listeners to also receive as an offer of somebody just being with. So thank you, Kat Gray. Zane McCormack and Claire Davis for coming to the Coaching Inn today to talk about coaching along COVID. And thank you listeners for listening. Uh, I'll put their contact details in the show notes. So if you want to get in touch with them, you can do that. Uh, thank you for coming to the Coaching Inn and thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you, Claire. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.